Hey, this is David Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today, I've got Tim Wise, and we're going to talk about stability. So, Tim, thank you for making some time in your day. Um, do you want to give the folks a little bit of background on you before we get into the topic, which you're going to introduce because it's your topic? Sure. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so, for myself, uh, my name is Tim Wise. I'm one of the principal coaches here at Leading Agile. I've been around for about three some odd years, so I'm working on my fourth year, but I've known Leading Agile forever um, and just good folks and happy to happy to be with them and uh, happy to help companies out with their Agile journeys and really morphing their organizations into something pretty awesome. All right. So as, as far as the as far as what I wanted to talk about today uh, and Dave, one thing I'm going to give you a kudos for is I, I love your podcast because you, you kind of ask really good questions going back and forth. So feel free to, to beat the heck out of this one, right? Um, and this is this is one that, that gets talked about a lot. It's one of uh, leading Agile's core principles. Uh, we say that, that there are a couple of things that make Agile teams fail. Uh, is this, if they don't have a, the presence of a great backlog, if they don't have stable teams, if they can't produce working tested software or product, uh, then that's going to make you fail. So the notion of stable teams uh, is one that I wanted to focus on for this conversation uh, that we have today. Do you want so, to play the pro or the con? I, I, you know, I just want you to play the bad guy all right. overall. <laughs> I got it. I'm all about yeah. it. Bring so, it. So that's the that's the fun one, right? If you can play the, if you can play the bad guy, go ahead and do it, right? Yeah. Um, now. I'm, I, you know, jump, just jump in with, with your opinions, uh, play those, play those uh, bad guy roles if you want. Um, so stable teams. Uh, this has come up a, a fair amount lately in, in a current client. And sometimes, you know, it can, it can be overlooked when we throw out those, those examples of, okay, stable teams. Everybody knows what that means, right? And it's kind of like, um, you know, one of those, how those simple terms in Agile can be uh, kind of, cut down a little bit if people <laughs> interpret them the wrong way. You mean like uh, Agile? Right? Yeah, like Agile. We're Agile, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so stable teams kind of has a couple of meanings too to different to different people, even coaches as, as well. So uh, I like to give my definition at first and then uh, we can go yeah. on to some alternatives Yeah. Uh, maybe after that. So to me, a stable team is not just – so we, we deal with scaled environments, right? So we might have scrum teams, a product owner team, a portfolio team that's out there. To me, a stable team applies at all of those levels. Uh, many people think that, that it's just for the scrum teams as well. So I think that's actually a mistake personally uh, when I'm approaching it as well. So a stable team to me is a team that stays together for multiple releases or multiple quarters. Um, with at least a, a release or at least, and if a release is less than a quarter, then they're staying together for at least a quarter. And hopefully they're staying together more like nine months. And that implies a lot of different things. Uh, if we just look at it that way, uh, their team that stays together for a while, uh, for whatever reason, we're not breaking them apart, reorganizing them or whatnot. Not only do they stay together, but they also work from a unified, single prioritized list, that backlog. Uh, and that also applies for program teams, if we, if we think about it in a scaled environment as well. Uh, the point is that they have everything that they need to get, their, uh, to get something to the market. So from a product owner perspective, the product owner team has everything they need as a product owner 
to get something to market from a scrum team. They have everything they need to get something to the market and they stay together uh, for a considerable amount of time uh, while they do it. So that, and I feel like I have to now pick this one apart a little bit because people will, um, will play a little bit of a dicey game with this sometimes. And they, and they would say, uh, well, they stay together. Okay, but that means that they can belong to multiple teams. But well, they belong to one team with one backlog. Okay. So they are uh, on a single team with a single backlog. Um, so that's what I mean when I say a stable team. So can I now, take uh, exception to some of that? Yeah, go for it. I think I think uh, plenty of people take exception to that. So, so go, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I think it is it is foundationally critical to making the team work. But um, what I hear most often is in class is our our company's different. Our company's special. You don't understand. We don't have that. We can't have that. And what I usually yeah, so, tell them is, well, you can still do Scrum or whatever form of Agile you're doing. It's just not going to deliver the way it's supposed to. It's like buying a car with three wheels when it's supposed to have four. That's um, absolutely right. So I don't, I don't think, I thought you were going to say something against it. No, on, no, man. but I do have, I have, <laughs> I have an, uh, an example of where, where it worked differently. So um, one of the teams at Rhapsody, when I was doing an assessment there, there was a team that it was 21 people. They were all working on it. It was like a shared service team doing database stuff. And they wanted to be able to redeploy themselves in every single iteration. So reorganize how they were working together as a team because of the nature of the work, which is being fed to them by like nine different parts of the company. And the way that they solved that was when they were, and they were doing scrum. So when they would do sprint planning or when they would do estimation, all 21 people were together, but in each sprint, they would subdivide the 21 people into two to three teams which every sprint would work through different problems for different parts of the organization. And they always had one person that was um, designated as the lamb and the lamb was sacrificed every sprint. And that person was left to fix whatever caught on fire. Um, what I thought was really amazing about it was that they actually made that work by, by getting, by going through the process of estimating together and planning together and breaking the work down together. They were, they got to that performing state and they were able to stay there even though they broke up into smaller teams within the sprint to do the work. But it was the constant moving around and staying together that made that work, which I think I've only seen that one time. Other than that, I would say it's very common to not have stable teams and that could be people on multiple projects or multiple teams or whatever being switched around every sprint. Um, it causes a lot of problems in the digital side and in digital agencies. That's one of the biggest challenges is they have people working on like 13 projects and they're shifted around week to week. Um, and it's one of the things that makes scrum so hard in those organizations. Yeah. And it certainly does. So in a digital agency, that's a, that's a, you brought up two really good cases right there. So I, I really appreciate that. So let's take a step back and say, well, why, why are we advocating for stable teams? What's the reason and purpose for, for having them, right? That, so the, the majority of, of teams that are out there, the vast majority, um, and in the Agile world, we like to say that we're, we're really adaptable and we're really, and all those things are true, right? So we can be adaptable. But in the context of organizations, 
they're asking us when is something going to be delivered most more often than not. So we're asked to be predictable more than we are to be adaptable. Uh, so inside that construct of being fairly predictable, in order to give us the best shot at being predictable, we, we really need a team that's going to stay together over time. Now we can talk about these outliers that you, that you look at <laughs> overall. But before we do, there's, there's been a ton of, of research around this stuff as well. So, I mean, even the, the notion of 21 people being on a single team, it's that's too big. really not, a, that's too big. Yeah, yeah it's, it's too big. It's, it's, it's not normal. Uh, it's really hard to keep the context of what's going on day to day, which is probably why they ended up in, into splitting off into subgroups. Uh, and then even in a, in a smaller scrum, scrum team, though, uh, after they're done with sprint planning, they might go through and separate out their work and say, this is how we're going to tackle it. We're, we're tasking it out. And here's how we're going to tackle the, the sprint, right? Uh, they might choose to, to do that, uh, which is kind of like a little subgroup if you, if you think about it. So it's not surprising uh, that that's a, a workable solution. What might be surprising there is if they were highly predictable and always hit their, uh, always hit their mark, which they may have, right? Um, that's not going to be the case with the majority of teams that, that are out there. So that one would be a for sure outlier if they could, you know, uh, hit, say they're going to do something over the next uh, three months and they, and they hit it every time. Um, you probably find a, a at least in the data world, there's a there's a lot of downtime in there uh, where they're trying to figure something out, uh, or if it's not streamlined as as well as it could be. Um, so those are just guesses based off of, of the little bit that I that I know. I love the sacrificial lamb, by the way. Yeah, that was really <laughs> oh cool. Goodness. I thought. But so, don't you think that if if everybody, let's say the company has hired a bunch of really good professionals. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this question and then say something else at the end. Shouldn't they be able to just slot in and work with one another out of the gate in the same way? Well, hold on. In the because <laughs> what in class what I always say is it's like being in a band. Every time you get the band together for the first couple practices, they suck. It's just like a bunch of noise until everybody figures out you know kind of who's doing what and when people are gonna play. And if the band is together long enough. You know they get they have a different way of communicating. They have a different language that they speak when they're playing, and that's when it sounds really good. But you take a really good session musician, you should be able to dump them into any band on any gig, and they should be able to perform. Why is that not the same for an agile team? Yeah, well, uh, let's look at another example then, since since that's the the session player, and I'd argue that you know the session player is is capable of it fulfilling. A certain type of role. Are they going to be an awesome lead role uh, on that? On that? Uh, oh, maybe not in the band. I sure. don't know. Maybe not. Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe the next slash that's coming out there. Um, but there aren't too many slashes in the world uh, from a guitarist standpoint. So when I'm looking at at say the NBA, those are really highly super talented, the best, ta- most talented people in the world, right? So a few years ago, uh, when LeBron James came in and uh, totally ditched Cleveland uh, to come to Miami uh, to work with a guy named uh, uh, Wade. And and there was a, another one in there. So there were basically a three superstar type of group there. It took them a while to actually realize the benefit. No, ultimately they won championships, right? They were the best in the world, but it wasn't right away. They had to figure out how to work together as a team. 
And those three people had a really hard time at first gelling together. One, because they were all leaders. Right. So they were three, three leaders on three different teams that were now brought together. Uh, and, and that's indeed a worry this year as someone that's moving out to Golden State, uh, much under the same, under the same uh, kind of thought. They're, they're pointing back to that one and say, didn't we just experience this with LeBron when he went down to Miami? And that's a, that's a really, uh, it kind of leads into something that I've experienced over my career, which is if you have a bunch of A players and now you, all, you shove them all into a group, don't we have an A team? Well, no. <laughs> it's like a whole band other. of lead guitar uh, players. Yeah, it's a whole band of lead guitar players, and and not necessarily. I actually like to get a lot of your B or C players, and and a lot of times they work just as well, if not better, in, in some in some environments. Uh, but you've got just as good a shot uh, with that. Uh, what I find is that those those lead guitars, those lead those lead athletes, are also used to diving in and saving the day. Yeah, and you got to be really careful of how how you construct the team and the team norms around that. A fascinating study was done on this. Um, it was by Google. Uh, it was, uh, I believe it was in the New York Times as far as an article goes, um, where, where they published, but it was in search of the perfect team. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's a yeah, good article. Right. So it's, 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 it's a really good article, but in that one, they, they were describing, uh, you know, that, that A player type of, of mentality, what makes up the, the good team. And not all of it fits in a stable team construct, right? There's, there's some pros and cons. But overall, uh, what they found uh, was, was really interesting data. It didn't indicate if they put a bunch of A players together. It didn't matter so much as the team norms is, is what they uh, ultimately concluded, I believe. Uh, so when they were going through the team norms and having really good understanding, a shared purpose was was uh, something that was really important. And when we think about teams staying together, they're also developing those norms along the way. So their norm is what they build up over time. Their, their stability, knowing each other, how each other are going to work, is what they build up over time. Uh, so that's something that we need to be kind of show a little bit more empathy and respect for as as uh, organizations is the the amount of of internal um, of internal intelligence that the team itself has built up. And if we just rip one of them away uh, just to borrow them for a bit, well, we've collectively ripped out a portion of their frontal lobe, right, or or their cerebral cortex. <laughs> so some part of them is not going to work uh, exactly how it used to. A really great agile team can kind of cover that up for a bit, or they can, you know. Uh, so if a person they learn to compensate, say, yeah, they they can compensate, but they're also generalists at that point as well. So from a generalist perspective, then they have more flexibility. They can accept a new member more readily. If they're just starting out, then uh, that's going to destroy the team essentially uh, overall. I found that one of the teams that I that I was on a volunteering team for the Scrum Alliance, there were a couple people on the team that I came to really trust and and know how to work well with. And one of the most valuable things for me was I knew that that one of them focused on this specific area really intently. So that was an area I didn't worry about. I focused on the other stuff that they were allowing me to be completely intent <laughs> about. So that, but being able to that level of trust, um it allowed me to be much more focused in what I was doing. And that was a really important thing for me. 
Yeah. So in that case, you had an internal, your internal side was saying, I can trust uh, this person with what they're doing. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I have complete trust in them. And over time, that trust only grows because you get to know each other. So now if I take that one out and put me in there, how much are you going to trust me to well, do the same thing? Not very much. <laughs> yeah. You're the antagonist <laughs> now again, Dave. Thanks. No, um, but but that's the way that's kind of the way we need to approach uh, organizations as well is set the precedent that a, a stable team is one that has a collective intelligence together um, and they're building that up diverse, over time. Diverse collective intelligence. Yeah. And it, and it, and no single person is, is going to be alike. The teams will work differently. And um, part of Scrum is encapsulating the team or part of any Agile team really is encapsulating the team, in my, in my opinion, uh, so that they have the best chance to self-organize. So if they can self-organize to get the work done, they'll figure out who's got what specialty. And particularly on those data teams, uh, since you brought that one up earlier, I find the data teams have a ton of diversity in what they can do. Even if they're labeled like you're the ETL guy, uh, then you might find that they have a very wide range of, of uh, skill sets from programming to do the, doing the ETL, data warehousing. It's all over the place, man. Yeah. And know, knowing that and getting used to each other and then seeing how you can exploit each other to get the best you can out of the team and, and then ultimately to learn from each other to become more generalized uh, while still maintaining your specialty is a really magical thing. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't just apply to that scrum team. It also applies to, if we're scaling around, it also applies to uh, programs and portfolios alike. Um, so that's I, a, a very powerful thing. I want to interrupt for one second. So when you said exploit a few minutes ago, you meant that in a positive way. I just want to make sure everybody gets that. Yeah. Yeah. So when, yeah. So it's exploiting their own conditions. So yeah. they they are looking to uh, to use it in a positive light. And, and exploit's a terrible word. I should. I no, should no. Definitely. I think it's a fine word. I think it's it's the same way that yeah. the way I use manipulate. It's I don't think manipulate is a bad word. It just yeah, it's, it's kind of the same for me. It, yeah. But it carries a negative connotation, right? Uh, and really, they're using their own their own uh, capabilities to get the get the most they can out of each other. Yeah. And when you rip one of those capabilities away, uh, either two things, one, uh, they, they needed them because they don't know how to work together yet. Uh, and they, and they don't have generalists or if they are, and they have been working together for a while, then you're, they're, you're kind of ripping away a brother or a sister. Yeah. <laughs> so they, if they've really gelled. Now that doesn't mean you won't get attrition and you won't get, uh, someone that isn't a good fit for the team. Uh, that that simply but means as that stable as you our, can. Our, our goal should be to keep teams uh, stable for a while. The other definition, you know, you, you said play devil's advocate kind of. The other definition that I hear that's it's kind of hard to argue with overall, quite frankly, is is well, if they have a stable velocity, then they're a stable team, and it doesn't really matter what what's going on. They can be on multiple teams, multiple this, multiple that, I mean, whatsoever. Uh, so uh, I won't take credit for this one, but we've, we've had this conversation come up in a, in a client recently. And, and the, the part that I won't take credit for is uh, someone, one of the internal coaches reached out and they did 
a uh, they they looked around for some data. So they're collecting on their own internal data and finding that it's it is indeed telling that uh, they're not as stable as if you do that type of activity that their their own teams aren't uh, that they don't have higher throughput if if they are on multiple teams. Wait, so um, there's proof that multitasking doesn't work? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it also undermines that accountability thing. So good luck holding the team accountable if, if yeah. they've got multiple priorities, right? Uh, but there was, there has been studies, uh, you know, rallies out there, they've done a study on it where they looked across many teams. And that's what that Agile coach uh, found was uh, looking out across that data. Then um, there was a productivity hike. There was a, a throughput gain and a predictability gain if we kept the team stable uh, instead of having them split. So it's really interesting data uh, to support um, to support the, the, the thing that all, you know, as agilists, we kind of intrinsically know uh, if you've been around coaching teams for a while, but when you ask the burden of proof, um, that's, that's a different matter. So it's important to know how to go back and talk to why do we want stable teams to begin with What's the outcome that we're looking for? And then also to, to back it up with data is, is an entirely different thing as well. It's kind of cool if, if we look at it. Um, so organizationally, uh, I think what will pan out of, of this one at, at, my, at my current client is a, a stability metric where we have a goal as an organization to uh, keep teams together. Um, and what does that mean? Where does it, you know, how do we look at it? And then we're not looking to judge people, right? So it's, it's more of our people, do people have one backlog and, and do they belong to one team and how long have they been in that mode as a team? Um, and then we can analyze some specific outcomes from that. Does their throughput get better? Does their, this get better? Not from a, again, not from a judgmental place, but one of, um, it's it's more of research on that side. Sure, from positive a business intention. Yeah, it's positive intention, right? So from a from a more uh, diagnostic intention, it's if they if we do find that they're having an instability, they may have a variety of problems. We may need to educate people on pulling them away. It may be a a, a pet project of someone, and we may have misalignment or a team that's not fully empowered to say no. Um, we may have um, a team that's choosing to do something different. Um, and in the, in the worst case, you may have a, um, an attrition problem, uh, which also might, might need to be addressed. But it, it can help identify hot spots in the organization where you can go uh, deep dive and figure out what's going on and help them solve the problem. Okay. So, so now that you're up on the porch, waving your cane at all the school children to get off your lawn about – Unstable get teams. Get off my line. Right. Stable <laughs> teams, stable teams, stable teams. But what if, what about all the folks out there, like the folks at the digital agencies or other companies, um, they don't have that. And those people may not be empowered to employ that change right now. So maybe the company's just starting out with Agile or management doesn't get it or whatever reason that people have for for not having stable teams. What's, what advice do you have for those folks? Like, how can they still get the most out of their practice of Agile if they're not going to be able to get to stable teams? Yeah, is, it po- is it possible? And if so, what can they do? So in digital agencies specifically, um, or in a highly dependent portion of 
an organization. I find this at a like a, a shared services space or a, or an organizational portfolio space. That's where I've been in it personally before. Uh, and then I've helped some dig- digital agencies as well. The notion of a stable team is is super hard uh, in, in those. So, and you have to ask, well, why why is it hard uh, in those in those uh, cases? What's more important? Uh, what you know, in the organization that I was speaking about before, I'm sure a lot of people can uh, really hang their hats on. They're asked to be predictable. You know, what, what are you going to, when are we going to deliver this? When is it going to the market? That type of thing. Right. Uh, in, a, in a digital agency, uh, a lot of times they're looking at uh, how do we get as much demand flowing through as, as possible. Um, so they're, the way that I look at those teams, and it's not the way, it's not the same for every digital agency, right, um, is how do we maximize the, the margin of the team? So we pay the team a certain amount. Uh, their margins are whatever we can charge for them ultimately. Uh, so how do we maximize the throughput that they're producing, which is ultimately going to lead uh, to a higher margin on them? It'll, it'll either lead to a higher margin in, in, in one of two ways. Either you're getting more work because you're doing work excellently and better than your competitor because you're getting it out quicker, um, or you're looking at it from I'm delivering more and therefore I can deliver more and I'm not charging by the hour, I'm charging by the deliverable so um, so I can actually produce more. Okay. Um, and in, and yet, in, again, in other cases, it won't make sense. Uh, it, it won't make financial sense to, to keep a stable team. Uh, so do you, do you agree with the, the statement that I always make, it, which is if you're not going to have stable teams, that's okay. It's a business choice, just like multitasking or anything else. But there's a cost that comes with that. You're never going to get team to performing. They're always going to be stuck between storming and, and forming. And that means that whatever practice of Agile you're trying to put into play, it just doesn't have the ability to go as fast as it can go or as high quality or whatever else. It just can't do that. And that may be a business choice that a company would make. Now, now you're going to make me be the devil's advocate. Go yeah, ahead. So, uh, it, but it depends on the it depends on what they're targeting and what the reason that they're they're choosing to have stable teams, right? So if they're re, if they're ultimately wanting a ton of flexibility, then yeah, they're going to pay the price for not having a stable team. They can't predictably have something to the market unless they form a ton of working agreements and a ton. You know, if they have a certain sure. Uh, Streamlined process in a digital agency. I can imagine a streamlined process of of how they go through, uh, depending on their on on their field, on their specialist, on their specialty there. Um, for me, I made the choice personally to have stable teams. So one of the things that you asked earlier was about, uh, or you didn't ask it, you just give the example. Uh, I might have sixteen projects. Well. To me, that's just all one backlog, and we have we still have to prioritize it. We still have to mix it in. Uh, so I don't care if I'm on one of those. I don't care if I'm working on 16 different projects. Well, I do, but um, I care that they're prior- <laughs> I care that they're prioritized. So the choice that I made was to keep the the team stable, to keep the team stable, but also at the same time uh, take a look at the backlog and and. Uh, Really choose to scrutinize it and prioritize it. So, it but you you had the, you were 
given the power to make that decision, right? Yeah, so that was that was me in the position of being able to, um, you know, at the time, I was, it was basically more of a, uh, it was in that middle management layer of, of the one specifically that I have in my head at, at the moment of my experience that happened to me. Okay. <laughs> so, so for me, it, it, it's, um, you know, the personal side to, of it, yes, I could make that choice. And yes, I, that's the one that I, that's the one that I chose to do, right? Uh, from a from a digital agency, if you if you find yourself beholden to it, and that's just not your thing, or that's just not what you want to do, then um, you know maybe you are more of a stability type person um, that really would crave being on a team that that sticks together overall. But then again, digital agencies are so cool, aren't they? They so, are. Uh, they're fun. <laughs> yeah, they're they're fun to work with. <laughs> But, but you don't want to let it drive you insane. That's well, and, why and there's other know. factors in play there too that are causing this kind of stuff. It's the nature of the work and the clients and the way that the clients deliver the work to the, to the customer as well. Yeah, that's a whole big conversation in and of itself, right? Yeah, but we'll save that I one. Think- I think the premise is the same, though. If you if you have the state the ability to do stable teams in that environment, you you it can happen, right? You have to pay attention to your margins of your teams. Yeah. Uh, you have to pay attention to how you engage with your clients and how you write your contracts and all that. But it's it's possible. It's doable, uh, and potentially it can yield really good results. I I think it it, it yielded really good results for me when I did it. Cool. Um, and it's yielded some good results for some clients when they've done it as well. Yeah, and I would say if you're having trouble with it, if the company's not going to go that way, just see if you can get permission to do a test. Keep a team together for a couple months. Working oh, how, on one how, how thing. Of you. Well, just throwing it out there. Maybe they <laughs> hadn't thought of it, you know. I'd like to just offer it up. But, but, but uh, re- remember, doing the test, don't throw all your A players in there because it, it might not yield the same result right. that you expect. <laughs> just a bunch of people that are willing to try something different i think is what what you yeah mean. yeah and i'll include the yeah. link to the to the article from the times as well about the teams but um cool dude thank you for doing this this was great yeah cool so uh i enjoyed it it was a good talk thank you for being Ooh. the protagonist and the antagonist <laughs> well and if folks want to track you down they can go to wiseagile.com or they can go to the leading agile website to your profile page or they can find you on linkedin or on Twitter, which you're on not Twitter, a big I, fan of because yeah, you're an old man. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd, I'd rather, you know, people, I, I run this Scrum Atlanta user group. Uh, go check that out. We're kind of done for the 2016 year, but we're going to kick back up in 2017, fourth Wednesday of every month. Cool. Uh, come, check it, come check it out. We've got some awesome speakers lined up for 2017. So uh, come check it out. Awesome. Thanks, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right, you too. Thanks, Dave.